Hello and welcome to Adam and Eve on CJSR FM 88.5 in Edmonton and around the world on CJSR.com. My name is Rose Eva Forks Jenkins and I'll be your host for today's episode of Adam and Eve. Thanks for tuning in. Adam and Eve is Edmonton's only feminist news radio show. We are adamant on highlighting, discussing, and engaging with issues that affect women across Edmonton and around the world. To highlight the fact that International Women's Day is coming up this week on March 8th, we thought the theme for today's episode would be the power of the female voice in the arts community. We're starting up the show with an interview loaned to us from the Well Endowed podcast about the Edmonton Women's International Film Festival. Afterwards, we'll hear from Marco Visconti, who interviewed Laura Cruz from the Alberta Public Interest Research Group. They discussed the upcoming vote, which might affect APERG's funding. And finally, we'll hear from Marie Fontaine, who went to the Women's Arts Festival coming up soon, entitled Skirts of Fire. Marie went to their media launch and recorded some stuff to give you a teaser of what will be coming up in the next two weeks. This is Adam and Eve. Stay with us to hear more from these female voices dominating the art scene. Our next segment comes to us from the Well Endowed podcast. This podcast is produced by the Edmonton Community Foundation. It's hosted by Elizabeth Bonkirk and Andrew Paul. The podcast shares stories about all the amazing organizations and donors who come together to help build a strong community within our city. They have shared with us their interview with the Edmonton Women's International Film Festival. The theme for this year's festival is Women in Politics. Let's take a listen. We celebrate International Women's Day on March 8th, and ECF is proud to be a sponsor for the Edmonton Women's International Film Festival. This year's theme is Women in Politics. To discuss why the subject is so important, I was joined by the festival's organizer, Michelle Brewer. My name is Michelle Brewer. And I'm the executive director of EWIF. And Kelly Abercrombie. My name is Kelly Abercrombie. I am an active volunteer with EWIF. And I think that's the first time I've said EWIF. I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're here today with uh, Michelle and Kelly, and they're going to tell us a little bit about um, EWIF, which is the Edmonton International Women's Film Festival. Would you like to start? Certainly. Um, this year, our second year running, we have chosen the theme of women in politics. So our film festival always starts on International Women's Day, spans three screenings at the Metro Garneau, and then we choose films to support the theme. So this year, our first film on March 8th is The Contender, and then one week later on March 15th, we have Through the Looking Glass, the story of Kim Campbell, and A Day of Change, the story of the NDP taking power in the last Alberta election. And then about 10 days later on Sunday, March 26th, we are doing two documentaries, one about politics and women in Canada called 25%, and the second one is called Madam Presidenta, and it's what it would take to get more women into politics in the U.S. So those are great topics. What made you choose women in politics for this year's theme? So we actually chose the theme eight months ago and didn't realize it would be so timely. But uh, we're really excited with everything that's been happening in politics from Sandra Jansen crossing the floor in Alberta and the um, verbal attacks and death threats to Rachel Notley to the outcome of the U.S. election with Hillary Clinton. 
it is a timely topic for everyone, um, and it is it begins on International Women's Day. So why why do you feel that's an important thing for us to see, like in in women's film festival? Important to see a women's film festival so we can highlight the changes that need to happen to make women equally represented in our society. And as far as the film theme this year, one of the major ways that we can make a change is to have more women in politics, and this is significant across Canada and across the world. But in Edmonton right now, we only have one woman on city council, and we're in a civic election year. So if we can draw more attention to that issue, and we can bring in women to discuss that, because our film festival is not simply about films. We have panels and speakers to support all our themes, and really the film festival is a vehicle to have conversation happen in Edmonton. So we will be bringing in former politicians, present politicians, and aspiring politicians. I, I think you're right. It is a, an extremely timely topic. You see a lot more attention being drawn to the types of online comments that come through for women politicians that don't necessarily happen for men. It's kind of important to bring that to the audience's attention at this point. Hopefully we can encourage more women to come forward because it is a very frightening environment. So I understand you also uh, organized the Women's March? Certainly. I founded the Women's March in Edmonton and co-organized with two other women, Alison Post and Paula Kerman. And we really took as our starting point this issue of women in politics, specifically because I had already picked the theme for the film festival. It just tied everything together. And to make a, a stance, a bold stance, I felt supported my convictions and the convictions the three of us felt were not only um, important for the U.S., but for Canada and wanted to roll it into what we're doing right now. You know, to have a women's film festival when the world is really looking at the issues of women is fantastic. That we saw 3,500 people come out to Edmonton is amazing. I think 60,000 in Toronto. And I was fortunate enough to get to go to Washington, D.C. and be with 600,000 women. It is an incredible time, and uh, I think women are really coming out and, and making a strong stance, and now's the time that, you know, we need the change needs to happen. So it's always interesting to me to see older women who say, you know, say, I can't believe we are still doing this. So I'm going to ask Kelly, why are you involved in, and what, what do you think is important about this? I think that women embracing political power is possibly the most important next step to women achieving equality, because that, that seems to be the major stopping point for a lot of policies moving forward. And as a lot of people have noticed, we seem to be arguing for the same rights and privileges over and over again, and then they get retracted. Last year's film festival was marking the centenary of most Alberta women getting the vote. However, not all Alberta women got the vote until the 1960s, which I think is something that would shock most people. In terms of, of achieving true equality, which is the project here, we do need to get our voice into the corridors of, par of power. And in order to do that, more women need to run, more women need to win. And in order to do that, more women need to feel safe in order to run. These issues around violence against women, agency, and women in political power all bleed together and they're, they're, they're all interconnected. So I'm really excited that this project is addressing those issues because we are looking at a province where women are lagging behind in terms of pay equity. We're certainly lagging behind in terms of political representation. We're certainly being threatened with extreme ideological politics, and our premier is being 
threatened physically and sexually on a daily basis in public forums. I think that we really need to to, to think about this, and, and I think it's our birthright as Alberta women to really, really grab the issue by the bullhorns, and I'm using that metaphor literally, because of people like Emily Murphy, who was the first magistrate, not only in Canada, but in the entire British Empire, and Louise McKinney, who was the first woman to be voted into a legislature not only in Canada, but the entire British Empire. So that means Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, England. I mean, that is a huge accomplishment, and it is part of our cultural legacy as Alberta women. We do have a great um, history in terms of, of women and and, and uh, the fight for equal rights here in, in this province. What are you hoping that, that will be the outcome from the festival this year? Yes, I'm hoping that absolutely that more women will be inspired, and we're showing that from different angles. We're showing uh, an actual feature that's a depiction of one woman in the States who's been asked to be vice president when the sitting vice president dies in office and what she goes through, the attacks that she goes through when the president tries to put her in that position. We look at women who have succeeded with uh, Kim Campbell and Rachel Notley. And then our last two films look at the issues of why women's numbers are so low. So I'm hoping that it will inspire women and it will sensitize our entire population to how hard it is as a woman and the extra layer of things that women have to face if they want to move forward on this. I'm excited that we have four politicians who are going to come in to speak on this. We have Nav Carr, who ran uh, a year ago now in uh, Ward 12, I think. We're having Miranda Jimmy come in, who is going to run in this upcoming civic election. We're having Lori Blakeman, who has been a strong advocate, and Sandra Jansen, who is our present very strong voice as far as um, being on the receiving end of um, attacks, simply because she's a female. These are all great topics, and um, you know, I'm very excited that the that Edmonton Community Foundation can be part of the film festival. This is our second year as a, I guess, a sponsor of the of the fe- film festival. Um, and it is a, a topic that's near and dear to my heart for sure. Thank you very much. And hopefully we'll have lots of people coming out to the film festival um, and uh, it'll inspire and move and motivate people to be in women, to be in politics and people to open their minds to this topic. Thank you again to the Edmonton Community Foundation and the Well Endowed Podcast for sharing that interview. It is a great place to find out about all the different kinds of nonprofit organizations that help make Edmonton amazing. You can find out more at their website, thewellendowedpodcast.com, and we'll have the links up on our SoundCloud page. The next piece comes to us from Marco Visconti. He interviewed Laura Cruz from the Alberta Public Interest Research Group, or APERG for short. Marco elaborates on what APERG provides as an alternative resource for community-led social justice initiatives. This is Marco Visconti reporting for Adam and Eve on CJSR. For today's story, I was approached by the Alberta Public Interest Research Group, also known as APERG, about an upcoming plebiscite that could affect APERG's funding. If you don't know, APERG is a student-run and student-funded not-for-profit at the University of Alberta that supports social justice initiatives in the Edmonton area, mainly by providing direct granting for student projects. Although anyone in the community can become an APERG member and access their granting system. All undergraduate students at the University of Alberta are automatically made members of APERG and have access to their resources when they pay their tuition fees. Every fall and winter, 
Unless an undergraduate decides to opt out, a fee of $3.50 is added to their overall student fees, which covers their APRIG membership for a single term. On March 8th and 9th, as part of the University of Alberta Student Union elections, undergraduate students will have the opportunity to vote in a plebiscite, which will gather feedback on whether the current student body wants to keep this APERG membership fee as part of their overall tuition. The outcome of this plebiscite could have a huge impact on APERG's funding. So here is a conversation I had with Laura Cruz, the outreach coordinator at APERG, about what APERG does for the community and the impact of supporting or not supporting alternative resources for community-led social justice initiatives. So we're sitting here in the alternative resource library in APERG in Hub Mall. Uh, so what can you tell me about this library? So for our library, we um, want to collect resources that other libraries wouldn't necessarily have. So we like to focus um, year to year on things that are very topical. Um, so this year, we've done a big push to to collect books that reflect current goings on, especially in regards to um, Islamophobia and anti-blackness. And we've also been um, highlighting the um, early writings of the history of the Black Lives Matter movement because we think that's obviously extremely important and that um, the libraries, you know, sometimes maybe not being as dynamic to uh, and quick, uh, quickly responsive to changing environments. That's what we've been kind of focusing on collecting right now. I think having a specialized collection is important because we are able to very quickly respond to um, what folks want to read. So we have forms that people can bring in and um, request certain books to be bought um, so that we can add to our collection. I also think it's really great that we can kind of pull things and highlight things. We can also, uh, we move through our library quite a bit, so we'll, we'll donate books and, and give them away as they don't like suit our purposes anymore and um, the other thing is that we also have um, not non-traditional resources such as zines and self-published material which is uh, not something that is traditionally held by libraries. Who's able to come in and kind of check out what you have here is it just for students or is it open to the public? It's open to everyone who is a member. Uh, membership is uh, an opt-in um, aspect of undergraduate tuition. So if, if folks do not opt out of their fees, they are members of APERG. We also sell community memberships for sliding scale, whatever folks can afford pretty much, suggested between um, 5 and $15. But then you can come into the library and peruse everything that we have and, and take it home with you for up to three weeks. Uh, what are some of the things that APERG does uh, oh, yeah. on campus? Okay, so so the main things that we do are we do a process of um, direct granting. So we we have a we have two um, deadlines, uh, one in the fall and one in winter, where we open up our applications and people are welcome to submit their their different kinds of projects and ideas for consideration to the student elected board of directors and then we distribute um, direct grants based on that which is really great and we tend to prioritize folks that wouldn't access funding uh, from traditional sources so we get a lot of very very interesting projects um, we also host our own workshops, teach-ins, lectures, those kinds of things. Our outreach coordinator, Jasmine Mohammed, she works on um, 
highlighting issues of criminalization in Edmonton. And she specifically um, talks about issues facing the black and indigenous community here. Uh, and as well as that, how that intersects with Islamophobia, given that there's quite a large um, East African population in Edmonton. And uh, they're disproportionately represented. Uh, black and brown bodies are disproportionately re represented in the prison um, in the prison system. So uh, we've also done a very very successful uh, Black History Month um, workshop. All kinds of things. A writing workshop that's going on for for folks that are face marginalization within the institution of the school. Um, we also do uh, equipment rentals. So if folks um, are holding a protest or holding a meeting, they can come to us and get a PA system for free, uh, recording equipment, uh, video cameras, those kinds of things. So um, how does APER get its funding? APERC is funded by a small optional fee that is included in undergraduate tuition, um, similar to other uh, similar to other student services such as the Gateway or the Students Union. Um, the fee is. Um, the fee is optional, so if folks do not support or can't afford the fee, they can get their money back at the beginning of each semester. It is three dollars and fifty cents per term for full-time students in fall and winter semesters. So what can you tell me about the upcoming plebiscite? How does that affect APERG? What is this plebiscite about? <laughs> <laughs> what is a plebiscite? <laughs> a plebiscite is a non-binding question. Um, and the question that is being asked is if students continue to support APERG uh, with a small fee. That is optional. The way it's different from a referenda is that um, it's basically a, a temperature taking. So essentially, uh, the student body at the U of A has an opportunity to vote um, to either say, yes, we, we want to we want a portion of our our tuition fees or yeah. our student fees to go to APERG yeah. or, they, or they have the option to opt out if that's what they want. Yeah. Um, but so who can vote and when is it happening? Um, all, all undergraduate students can vote, and the vote is happening on March 8th and 9th alongside the uh, Students' Union elections. So how often do does the student body vote uh, about uh, no, funding APERG specifically? Is it, does it come up every few years? Yes. Um, every five years, all of the dedicated fee units that uh, get their funding through the Students' Union do undergo this plebiscite uh, cycle. This is the first one that, that uh, we've ever done. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So how old is APERG then? When did it start? This is APERG's 15th year of operation, so it's been um, on campus since the 2002-2003 year. So this is the first time that uh, APERG's funding has come into question? It's not come into question. It's a structure that's been set up um, so that students have have a voice in where their and where their tuition dollars are going. Students are also voting on whether or not to support the campus food bank, for instance. Um, and there's also, I believe, there's a referendum. Uh, there might be a plebiscite or referendum. I can't remember exactly which on whether or not people should have the bus pass and things like that. So it just kind of gives uh, a democratic voice to the to the student body. What do you think is the the effect of defunding PERGs? Because uh, you shared a few articles with me about in in Canada, at least in the past. 
five years or so, there have been campaigns to defund APERGs and a few, um, I read about at least one or two in, in the East Coast that were defunded. So what does that mean? What does, how does that affect um, you know, a city and also the, the campus culture? The effect that defunding a PERG would have is that working groups, student-led projects, community-led research, uh, community events would not have alternate access, uh, access to funding. And as I mentioned before, we prioritize uh, folks that wouldn't get funded elsewhere. We also have a unique structure where we will work with people on their applications to make sure that people's ideas are being are being translated into a form that they can recycle again and use their uh, use the ways that we structure um, we structure our applications to apply for other funding. So really the loss to a, to a community with a perg being defunded is is huge. That was Laura Cruz from the Alberta Public Interest Research Group, also known as APERG. If you're an undergraduate student at the University of Alberta and you'd like to help maintain APERG as an important alternative resource for community-led activism through your tuition fees, remember to vote in this year's student union elections coming up this March 8th and 9th. For more information about how to become a member of APERG and all their activities, you can visit their Facebook page at facebook.com alberta.pirg. Who knows, if you have a community project that you'd like to kickstart, APERG could be a really good place to start. Thank you to Marco Visconti for that interview with Laura Cruz from the Alberta Public Interest Research Group. Our next piece comes from Adam and Eve producer Marie Fontaine. She went to the Nina Haggerty Art Gallery this week for the media launch of this year's Skirts of Fire Festival. This festival officially starts on March 9th and runs until March 12th. She had the opportunity to get a sneak preview at this year's lineup. She chatted with artistic director Annette Wazel and met a few of the designers for the Skirts of Fire skirt competition. This year's theme was a skirt from her closet. The skirts were made of found and upcycled materials. All six designs will be on display throughout the festival. Let's take a listen. I call my mother three times a day. Don't know if it's right or if it's my way. Why can't I say when? Why can't I say when I'm hurting? I've never known the right things to say. Nobody does, she says back to me. That's why I feel it. That's how I feel when I'm together in this. Because I'm a woman. Oh. My name is Annette Lozella, the festival director for Skirts of Fire, and this is our fifth anniversary season of the festival. Five years of elevating and celebrating the work of amazing women in the arts in Edmonton. So yeah, tell us about how it started. What uh, gave you the idea? It started with taking everything from my closet and pulling it out, literally. <laughs> Just looking at it all and seeing what I had to work with and deciding what was of value and what was maybe garbage and what was worth transforming. So in your closet, then you have more than just clothes, obviously. Yes, I had lots of treasures and lots of trash. I had playbills from lots of friend shows, lots of Broadway shows in New York, and 
things that I'd been a part of and stuff that I held on to thinking it meant more than than imagined like it seemed to mean something but then when you realize it's just stored in the back of your closet catching dust I thought why not use that to transform it into something that's actually alive and keep it moving and create and upcycle it just seemed like yeah. great and how long how long did it take you to kind of make the approximately? process itself was about four months <laughs> but there would have probably been about honestly probably about 50 hours well I wish you all the best of luck <laughs> Thank you. thanks for talking to me Well, tell us a little bit about the process, what your thoughts were as you were making it, how long it took. Um, it took, well, it took about four months to sort of, it was, it all sort of was in the design process, but it sort of took two weeks to put together. Um, my whole thing was about just mother nature and sort of what we're doing to the planet and like all the paper I used, I found while I was working for the city of Edmonton. So it's, it's kind of crazy the amount of things that people throw away that you can make into something else. I took a bunch of plastic bags and I think a lot of us have like bags of bags just lying around I thought that would be a really good way to reuse some plastic bags and I fused them together with an iron to create like a fabric like piece and um, added some pleats and um, melted that to like a garbage ba bag waistband and the bow is also made of uh, garbage bag and I also added some streams of VHS tape to kind of like tie in tie the design together uh, the process took about it was I worked over it over time um, over a few months but um, in total I probably spent about 10 or 15 hours on it so the mommy monologues is the name of our main stage production and it is written by Beth Graham, Catherine Kohler, Nicole Moeller, Miyako Uchi, Annette Lozell, Connie Massing, Dana Raymond, Glenda Sterling, Michelle Vance-Hare, Kat Walsh, and the song is written by Andrea House, who I'm going to ask to come up here right away. All I want to 
do is dance. I want to dance till I'm dead. I didn't intend for it to happen. It just happened. And now it's going to happen again. If you had to just say one thing to Edmonton right now about the festival. You have to come out because until you see and hear these performers, you have no idea what a special event this is. And not special, that's a bad word. It's more, it's just, there's so much talent uh, in every single event playing throughout the festival. And, and you'll get a different experience with each one, whether it's theater, dance, music, visual arts, spoken word you will be moved in some way, uh, you'll be inspired, and you'll want to come back. Thank you to Marie Fontaine for giving us a taste of what's to come at Edmonton's only multidisciplinary festival, celebrating the work of women. We invite you to tune into our next show on March 17th when we devote our program to the coverage of the festival itself. Be sure to get a spot at the world premiere of Mummy Monologues, the festival's main stage production. Check out skirtsoffire.com for more details about the lineup. And we are out of time for this week's episode of Adamant Eve. For more information on our program and to send us any feedback, please contact us on our Facebook page under Adam and Eve or tweet at us. I've been your host, Rose Eva Forks Jenkins, and have a wonderful International Women's Day on March 8th.